0: This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shebaville Mills Baptist Church.
1: Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I'm your host, Brother Joe Carpenter, and today I'm here on a rainy day in the studio with my pastor and my friend, Brother Jonathan Sims. Brother John, how are you doing today?
0: Doing great. Uh, great day yesterday, um, continuing to press on through the book of Revelation. And what a blessing it was last night to have Parker Smith preach here at our church. Parker's a young pastor that we're uh, loving and helping and standing behind right now that was pretty much uh, forced out of his church. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just did a magnificent job preaching God's Word last night. And um, just a joy to be there to help pastors in need and stand with them and their families and i think you know we were kind of that for you and your family brother and And you were that and then some for myself and my family and we really appreciate that and right
1: um i'm glad glad that to be able to turn around now and be a part of that for uh, brother parker and his wife ashley
0: right uh there's nothing i enjoy more than helping pastors amen just it's the highlight of my ministry i love pastors and I love to help them in tangible ways. And Mm -hmm. last night, I think, was a blessing to everybody, hopefully for Parker and Ashley as well.
1: I believe it was. Yeah. I believe it was. And I'm thankful. He he preached a wonderful message, by the way. Acts chapter
0: 1, verses 1 through 5. And you know, after I got home last night, brother, um, there was a text on my phone from Brother Jason Johns down at uh, First Baptist Church of Lake Butler, Florida. And uh, he had uh, caught a good bit of the service and heard Parker preach and heard mm-hmm. the comments I made at the end and just so rewarding. Jason said, man, let, let me know how I can help. How can Amen. I help Parker? How can I help Ashley? And That's we're in a great network, brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, this anchored and truth network is just a great network to be a part of of brothers that love Christ, love truth, and want to see the church be the church. And I'm also looking forward to being with Jason and his congregation, you know, in a few weeks, uh, be down there in the fall. That's good. Preaching at their church. I love those people down there. They're godly folks. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, good. Well, today we're going to
1: be talking about weddings, uh, and this is somewhat fitting. I know that you just recently finished doing some premarital counseling for a very sweet young couple here in our church. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, Abby and Jacob, yep. and I know that I believe in a couple of weeks they're going to be getting married. Now I don't think I don't believe you're going to be officiating that that wedding, but I know you're going to be there in
0: attendance as a guest. And I actually uh, will be doing the introductory part. Well, there you uh, go. When she walks down the aisle and the recognition and uh, just the welcome and the mm-hmm. opening words, Very but good. won't be officiating the wedding completely. Yeah. Uh, his his father's a pastor, yeah, and uh, so. Just like I performed the wedding for my daughters, his dad's going to be performing that wedding. It's just a joy to be a part of it. It is. And you've seen, I mean, what great
1: fruit of your own ministry. I mean, you've known Abby since she was just a wee little girl. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, She was actually, I think I get this right, born after I got here or just just before I got here. Mm -hmm. So I'm the only pastor she's ever known. That's great. And we've got a lot lot of young people that way now. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, flowing from the same vein of what we discussed
1: last time with regards to funerals and uh, sort of our funeral policy, I guess, and the order of service for preaching a funeral and pastoral care and ministry there, I'd like for us to kind of go that same direction, but just focusing on weddings. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that uh, you and I have talked about before, too, when it comes to weddings and funerals and there's nothing in the Bible that says that this is what a pastor is required to do. Right. And But this is something that we want to do. It's something mm-hmm. that we choose to do. Um, and as such, uh, sometimes when we're talking about these things, uh, we're not talking about hard and fast biblical rules on how these are to be done, though there are some biblical principles that are going to undergird it. But some of it is, and I hate to use the word preference, but I think – probably a better way to say it would be biblical wisdom has informed um, much of why you do it the way you do it. Right. And I'll just start off with the idea of a wedding policy, uh, which nails down a lot of that up front. Whenever somebody comes to you or I and they say, I would love for Brother John O to officiate our wedding, we can, we've got a wedding policy that we've got written out that we're able to hand to them And they sign off on it. Mm -hmm. What's some of the wisdom for why a wedding policy, how to do a wedding policy for brothers out there that maybe have never done anything like that?
0: In my first church, the pastor that was there before me was much older, old enough to be my grandfather. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came to see me within the first couple of weeks of my ministry there. And he said, Pastor, I've got some counsel for you as a young pastor. He said, you had better make up your mind where you stand on divorce and remarriage mm-hmm. and on your wedding policy because you're going to be tested and tried there more than anywhere else. And man, did that prove to be true. Yeah, um, And I'm thankful that I had strong biblical convictions very, very early on that obviously I'm a Sola Scriptura guy and I'm guided by the scripture that helped me my 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 wedding policy my stance on marriage and divorce was already set, and by the way it's never changed Amen. i'm right where i've always been but that was good counsel that he gave me Mm -hmm. and so um i don't have the wedding policy here in front of me uh to go line by line but i guess i would begin by saying the first thing brother is you have to be a born again church member yeah um, I, I do not. I'm not a marrier. I don't. I'm not the town marrier. There's a lot of preachers that are. They, you know, the old Christmas song. Uh, when Parson Brown's is in town, he'll tie the knot and all that stuff. Uh, that's not me. I'm not Parson Brown. You know, I, I'm a God-called preacher, and uh, weddings are elective. Yeah. I have sole right to choose which weddings I do and which ones I want, and I don't budge an inch. I, you know, I this is. I don't barter on these things. Um, but you, if Ephesians chapter five pictures the marriage as Christ and His Church, and Christ making atonement for His Church, Christ loved the Church and gave Himself for her, mm-hmm. and then He talks about husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the Church. He talks about wives submitting themselves unto their husbands as unto the Lord Himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You can't do that if you're not saved. Right. So I'm not going to perform the wedding of any anybody that hasn't been hasn't given good. Ample evidence that they're born again, yeah. and then they need to be a member of my local church. Yeah. I don't marry people, you know, outside of my local church. Now, there might be an exception for a family member mm-hmm. if yeah. they submit to the marriage counseling, which is about six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, but if a person is not born again, they're not a member of our church, and they're not willing to go through all six to eight weeks of my marriage counseling, then. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the first things that – the first thing I do, and I know we'll get into this in marriage counseling, I have a session that I do very first out of the shoot. I hand them a book. They've not seen it. And we go through a session called The Basics. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, their assignment for the next week when we get back together is they have to write out their testimony. Now, Abby had -hmm. already – you know, she was saved, and I baptized her, so – I already knew she had a written testimony on file that we keep in membership file of each one of our members. But I still asked her to do it again. Mm-hmm. And her husband-to-be, Jacob, wrote out his testimony. And we sit down and we, you know, go through that and mm-hmm. make sure that that's in order. And so that's the very first thing we do. Yeah. One of the very first things we do is to talk to them about conversion because it, the, the Bible says a man will leave his father and mother, uh, cleave to his wife. And they too should be one flesh. What God hath joined together, let no man put apart. Yeah. Has God joined them together? Right. Are they born again? Are they saved? You know, is this truly of God? So we start there.
1: Yeah, and you better have that nailed down right away. Absolutely, uh, because you're going to have every Tom, Dick, and Harry that lives yes. in the town that's going to come by. I'll never forget, Ashley and I used to live in a parsonage of a church that I pastored, and it was probably about 1130 on a Saturday night. Somebody Mm -hmm. came to the parsonage door, knocking on it, and it was a guy that reeked of alcohol Mm -hmm. and had a woman in the truck and said, will you please marry us? And if you don't have those policies nailed down, you can get yourself in a world of trouble.
0: Hopefully your policies grow out of your very firmly held biblical convictions, yeah. and you're just kinda of writing them down, and we'll, ex- we'll express why it is important to write them down. Yeah. There's a local pastor here in town that ran an ad in the local paper. I kept it, I have a little file of goofy things that religious leaders say and do, And but it said, I'll marry anybody, anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. He put his phone number in the paper, I won't ask any questions, Pastor of one of the local Baptist churches. Mm. And there's just a lot of guys out there like that that they're the, you know the town merrier and the town barrier, and <laughs> <laughs> you know they, they love getting an honorarium that comes along with that, mm. I think, a lot of times. And mm-hmm. that's not me. That's yeah. not who I am. I, I fear the judgment seat more than that. I know I'm going to give an account to Christ one day, and I want this to be right. I don't think there's anything more holy than what we call holy matrimony. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything more holy than a couple being joined together as one, and we need to do everything we can as pastors and disciple-makers to make sure they understand this covenant that they're entering into. Mm -hmm. It's sacred.
1: One of the other things that's written very clearly in our policy, on our wedding policy, is that you're not going to marry a, you're not going to officiate a, they would call it today a same-sex marriage. Absolutely. And uh, and I think having the membership requirement sort of knocks that out anyway. It does. There's nobody that's going to be a member of Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church that claims, well, I'm I'm a homosexual.
0: And you know how many times have we said this in this podcast, and how many times through mine and your journey together have you? I say now Joe, I'm gonna repeat myself and it always comes <laughs> back to the local church. And I'm telling you, brother, if you get the local church healthy and right and biblical, it takes care of ninety nine percent of this. Yeah. If you get church membership right, mm-hmm. you practice discipline for the sin of forsaking church in your church and you don't have all of these uh, unregenerate church members chalking full your church member role mm-hmm. and you know, demanding carnal and wicked and worldly things out of their pastor it just you start at the level of a healthy church and you move from there and that that's that's where we began our journey yeah but we had the wisdom years ago i mean this was actually the very first business meeting that i presided over at shelbyville mills and nobody knew anything about me and the very first thing i did i'm not I don't know how much wisdom there was in this, but this is what I did, was I had a wedding policy passed because, again, I knew I was going to be challenged on it. Mm -hmm. When I came here, they'd let anybody that wanted to get married here get married here. Mm -hmm. All you had to do was call the church office, pay the fee, reserve the building, and you could get married. Mm -hmm. Well, you can imagine the flood tide of problems that would open up for you today. Mm -hmm. And even before gay marriage, this would have been, what, 20 years before gay marriage, Mm -hmm. I had the wisdom to see that that's that's not biblical that's not scriptural yeah. so we did adopt a wedding policy and uh, it clearly stated that you had to be a member of Shelbyville Mills Baptist Church in order to get married here mm-hmm. now with the gay and lesbian marriage issue um we have a consistent time-tested policy of saying that we're not going to perform any wedding for any marriage that's unscriptural and you have to be a member here mm-hmm. And you have to be in good standing. Mm-hmm. And that's been our consistent practice. Yep. So, all the legal counsel that we got over two decades ago said to us establish your policy, stick with it, consistently meet it out, and you'll be fine in the courts as long as you have a long standing track record of consistency and mm-hmm. doing the same thing in every case.
1: You know, the same thing could be said with regards to church discipline. Yes. Uh, make sure that you're being very consistent on those things. That, yes. Have you much. ever had any type of legal uh, challenges um, with regards to weddings? or? Never
0: had a legal challenge. You always get somebody that gets mad and they threaten you. You know, well, I've had a few threats. Yeah. I, and I'll humbly say, thank God they didn't follow through on it, because that's the last thing I need, mm-hmm. brother. I, I don't have time for that. I, that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But it is a comfort to know that if someone did choose to push the envelope, and if they did choose to, you know, um, sue us or take us to court, that we do have a long-standing policy uh, that we've consistently followed. That I think, along with the current laws in our state, would hold the day. Yeah.
1: Now, you, one of the other requirements that you've had for many, many years uh, is uh, premarital counseling. Yes. And I've got my book here that, yes. uh, and I've helped you out with that before. Right. Brother Ryan has done that before. We've, uh, counseled couples who've come to be married and, um, we we all go by the same book. Yes. Uh, there's no deviation from that. I believe it's something that you wrote early on in your marriage and or excuse me in your ministry. Right. Your marriage to the church. Yeah. And uh, and as such, you've uh, I don't have you ever changed anything? Any major changes there? I'm glad
0: you brought that up because basically, brother, this material that you have in front of you is what God gave me in my 20s when yeah. I was a young pastor. Yeah. And yes, I've made two revisions on it through the years, major revisions, Mm -hmm. where I went back and completely rewrote it and added things that I've learned. But basically, in seed form, it is what it was. And this is what I'm telling you. At the very beginning of my ministry, because I was sola scriptura, because I was an expository preacher, because I was a text guy, Mm -hmm. um, I knew these truths Mm -hmm. from handling the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to put them down pretty concisely uh, in my early days and all these years, brother, I've operated by this. And all these years, this, this uh, material in this book has guided us when we counsel with someone about marriage. These principles are timeless and changeless because they're from the Word of God. Amen. So even in the early days, even in the very first marriages that I ever did, Hmm. this was what I carried people through. As I looked, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but I just didn't see that it was local church related. And again, you know I'm a local church guy. Ephesians 5, again, says this is a picture of Christ and his church. So I kind of had to do my own and tailor it to our understanding of what a healthy local church is. That's good. And uh, so this is pretty much what I've used my entire ministry.
1: And I want to walk through some of it with you too. Like you said initially, one of the very first things that you're talking to them about is is uh, their own conversion, their own yes. uh, salvation. And um, I, I I've heard guys say something similar to what you had mentioned about that newspaper or article, you know that you that you had found, mm-hmm. where they'll say, "Well, I'll I'll do weddings because that's an evangelistic opportunity." Mm. But weddings were not designed to be evangelistic opportunities. Now, that's not to say that the gospel is not going to be preached, Absolutely. and it's not to say that as you're counseling that it's not to happen, but that's not the primary reason. No. But with that being said, I'm curious, have, have you ever sat down with a couple and started to go through that, and somebody recognized, brother, I'm lost, and actually get saved through that process?
0: Tons of time. Hmm. Tons of time. And I didn't ask them for permission. To share their full names but Tom and Heather
1: yeah
0: um, yeah you know that that was them they they came to me they were living together out of wedlock uh, and I told them right up front that I could not do their wedding
1: hmm
0: I said but everybody needs marriage counseling
1: that's right and mm-hmm. I'd be
0: happy to give you guys some good biblical marriage counseling and I did and in the course of that they both came to an understanding that they'd never been Mm. truly converted. Now, they had walked the aisle and prayed the prayer you know, sure. that Baptist yeah. churches emphasize, which is totally wrong, mm. but they had never been born of the Spirit. Mm. And in the course of that marriage counseling, they were both born again.
2: Mm.
0: We were able to uh, go down to the justice of the peace with them that day and stand there with mm. them as they made their vows to, to the Lord. But because of the situation they'd been in and because of their lifestyle in the past, we just didn't feel like that that would be the uh, the healthy thing to do to model in front of our church at that point. Yeah. But that's one case of, of a couple, and there have been many others, of going through this that understood, man, I need to be
1: converted. Amen. You know. And what a blessing that is Absolutely. to see that. I know that you've also seen you, – you deal with alcohol yes. in yours. And I, I ho- yeah. I'm I kind of skipping ahead here sure. a little bit, but I'm going to come back to it. Yeah. But I believe you've also had folks that have changed their stance
0: on alcohol uh, yes. as they've gone through premarital counseling. A, a lot of those. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of those have. And, and uh, you know, that's another thing we need to talk about at, at another date. I'll tell you another thing. You better make your mind up where you stand on alcohol. That's right. And for the record, let me say teetotaler right here. Uh, un, unabashed, unashamed, I preach abstinence. And I know there's going to be a lot of people recoil on that. Help yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm not <laughs> budging an inch. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the damage. I've seen what comes with it. And here's what I believe. Uh, One of my goals, stated goals, is when you go through marriage counseling me to get a commitment out of you. And you'll notice at the end of each one of these sections in the book, there's Mm -hmm. a place where they sign it and date it. That's right. And I have them sign and date a stance that they will not allow alcohol into their home. Mm -hmm. And the way I figure it is when I'm done with marriage counseling, if I can get a commitment for them never to allow alcohol in their home, I've been their best friend. Amen. Because it's a home wrecker. Yeah it's a marriage breaker upper it's a it's a child abuser yeah. Yeah. uh it's a family financial stealer and um i it, it's wicked And it, by the drop by the court by the can by the ounce <laughs> and uh i hate it with yep. everything in me brother and that's one of the places where i strongly take issue with reform camp yeah. um i i'm not a sud sipper mm. and i don't believe in social drinking brother i'm firmly fixed here yeah And I'm going to use every ounce of influence I've got to lead people away from that. And that's one of my stated goals in marriage counseling is if I can get them to make a covenant not to ever allow alcohol into their home, I've helped them out greatly. I've saved them from the number one cause of pain, heartache, divorce, and shipwreck. And by the way, that translates over into a wedding ceremony. Yes, it does. Um, I you won't
1: you won't be a part of a, a officiating a wedding ceremony where there's going to be alcohol. That's no, sir, there.
0: it's not allowed in our church. Uh, we we don't participate in those venues. And I've had family members that I love that yeah. dear very very dearly that uh, asked me to do their you know counseling, and I did. But they were going to have uh, alcohol at their wedding, and I just said, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, I can't be a part of that, yeah. and, and I'm not going to. And I would say this to you, brother, just if I don't say this now, I'll forget it. Mm-hmm. But this section on the basics, this very first lesson that mm-hmm. we're talking about, I talk about being saved without a doubt, being committed to God's house, the local church. Um, and I talk about actively seeking Christ in your local church and serving him. I talk about being committed to tithes and offerings, which yep. is another place i would and don't line up with a lot of Reformed guys. I believe in tithing, preach, and, I, and I'm ashamed, and mm-hmm. you're not going to change me. <laughs> um, I talk about having a quiet time mm-hmm. as a couple. I, t- I talk about uh, you know, uh, being a missionary couple, and I teach them about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are just kind of those basics. Mm-hmm. Those things serve as the sermon in the wedding. Yeah. When I do their wedding, those basic, those main categories that I just read right there, that is the actual wedding message. Mm. And the one you're referencing is when I come to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul mm. prefaces that by saying, don't be drunk with wine. Yeah. And I just say in front of the church, all these things are a public statement. Now, remember, you made a private commitment that you're now making here public t- today. Mm-hmm that you will be faithful to your church, that you will give your tithes and offerings, that you have agreed not to allow alcohol into your home. We publicly state those things yeah. and get them on record as as uh, having those firm commitments. Because we live in a day, brother, in an age that uh, everybody waffles on everything. and yeah. We just want them to have some way marks, some GPS markers driven down to you know uh, some landmarks to help them navigate through all the difficulties life's going to throw their way. That
1: brings up a point to me that I, I just kind of hit my head that uh, you know I think I think an entire sermon could be preached on this. But what what does it mean to attend a wedding? Mm. Uh, those witnesses are there for a reason. That's right. They are witnesses, and right. they are to hold accountable hold the, that couple accountable, yep. even to those wedding vows as they're being made to one another. Yep. And that's why it's so important too that it's all done. In and through the local church. That's
0: right. Uh, these things should be walked out and manifested privately, but they should be walked out and manifested corporately mm-hmm. within the local church. And the thing I say to these young couples is look, I've been your pastor in Abby's case for almost 23 years, mm-hmm. and I told her and Jacob this, and I'm, you know, no offense here, this is just how it is. Mm-hmm. And I told them all these years I've loaded up and gone to youth camp with you, mm-hmm. 23 in a row. And all these years I've been there for you for high school graduation and, you know, engagement and coming to see you, uh, you know, when you graduated college and giving you commentaries and, you know, uh, sewing into your life with this past year adult camp and, you know, all the things that we do to help disciple them. Mm-hmm. You know, in her case, twenty-three years of expository preaching. Think of all the books of the Bible that I've gone through, Mm -hmm. and having a good, solid, small group for her and to be discipled and trained in. And I just told both of them: now we expect you to give back. Mm -hmm. It's time for you to give back. You know, you've taken for all these years as a student. Now you're a married couple. It's time for you to roll your sleeves up and go to work. That's right. And I told them, I said, I hope to see you guys on an Anchored in Truth mission trip very, very soon. ASAP, Mm y'all should be obeying the Great Commission and going. And y'all should be bringing your tithes and your offerings to the Lord's house. And you should be, you know, helping out with Vacation Bible School and praying about teaching a small group. And it's time to go to work. Amen. You know, not not just, hey— we're married now, let's all you know go out and enjoy retirement or whatever it's It's time to roll up your sleeves and go to work.
1: That's right. You spend session two dealing with the biblical roles in marriage right and wow how how much that's necessary and needed today because those roles are being flip flopped twisted, perverted, and turned yes. upside down. Yes um you go on and you spend time uh dealing with uh not only the uh the the their respective roles. Uh, but finances. Yes. And if I remember, do you spend two weeks on finances? I do. And talk to me about some of the nuts and bolts of of how that works. Well, the number one
0: cause of divorce is financial problems. Mm -hmm. That's been proven. And I would say this, in my 33 years plus of doing counseling with couples that are in trouble, Finances may not be the number one issue, but it's always an issue. Mm-hmm. And a brother that I had in seminary told me that if you averaged it out from Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. if you marked every verse in the Bible that dealt with stewardship or money or something to deal with money, it would be one out. of It'd be one third. Uh, you know, one out of every three verses in the Bible deal with stewardship in, in some form. That's wow. That's a lot of information. And so finance is kind of my background, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I'm kind of geared that way. I'm, I guess, what Dave Ramsey would call a nerd, you know. (laughs) I'm the budgeteer and the envelope guy and and the bill payer and all that. Kayla's the free spirit. She is. She really (laughs) is. And in every marriage, there's usually one of each. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the woman's the nerd. Sometimes the husband is. But um they can get into a lot of trouble quick in finances. And so it requires two weeks of, of and the very first thing that we deal with is is tithes and offerings. Mm-hmm. You can't ask a God you rob to bless you. That's right. You know, it's just, uh, that's just insane. It is. So we establish a very thorough biblical understanding of bringing your tithes and your offerings to the Lord's house and worshiping Jesus mm-hmm. through giving. And then we start breaking down, like, practical. I teach them, they they bring me a sheet with their income and all their expenses. I require that. And that's one of their homework assignments. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually put together a kind of a working budget. I teach them how to do the envelope system of budgeting, just in its rudimentary form. Um, There's some apps out there now, like Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar, you know, that can really help couples Mm -hmm. that are... Um, everybody has a cell phone, kind Mm -hmm. of set up an envelope busting system. And we talk about that. We talk about credit cards. Mm -hmm. We talk about debt. We talk about life insurance. We talk about health insurance. Mm -hmm. We talk about identity theft, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a new, uh, thing that we have to deal with nowadays. Mm -hmm. Talk about emergency funds. Yeah. Talk about, uh, you know, saving money, uh, beyond an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. All of these things, um, God can use to help them have a marriage that's focused on Christ and not focused on bad stewardship. Mm-hmm. So on, it's very important. And on the opposite side of that, if, they, if they're
1: if they not uh, uh, putting God first in all of that, Satan can surely use it to Absolutely. just re- wreak
0: havoc on their, on their marriage. You know, one, uh, let's see, make sure I get this right. Once at my former church before I came here in Alabama and twice here, maybe, no, three times here. Uh, scenario, exact same scenario came up, um, it was all, every time it was women, that's just ha- the way it fell, uh, that came to me and said, Pastor, I need to speak with you, I need your help. Uh, unbeknownst to my husband, <laughs> I have run up, the first case was $50,000 on credit cards, mm. another case was over seventy, where the husband was just kind of clocked out, and he wasn't being the spiritual leader, he wasn't being the financial leader. And his wife, all the way back to Genesis chapter three, you know, Satan begins to tempt her, and and uh, she comes out from under headship, finds a credit card with a high spending limit, maxes it out, rolls the balance over to another one, maxes it out, rolls it over to another one, and where <laughs> until she's rolled it as far as she can roll it, and I have to bring this brother in and s- explain to him that he's seventy thousand dollars in debt that he doesn't even know of, mm. and um, all mm. because they're not following. Some basic biblical principles of headship, of leadership, of accountability, of communication, yeah. and um, just basic biblical stewardship. Mm. Um, and that's a huge hurdle for a young couple to overcome. It is when they get themselves in a hole
1: like that. I'll say this: Whenever has it been your experience that uh, whenever you start going through premarital counseling, and especially you bring you have them come in and bring a budget. Mm-hmm. They start learning a little bit more about each other. You get an opportunity as a shepherd to learn a little bit more about them. The following week, they're talking about expectations of marriage, and they're learning a little bit more about each other. So there's a growth process that's taking place there.
0: Very much so. And one of the things I tell them is right now, y'all see the best of each other, and that's all you see. Yeah. You get together, you go out to eat. you're with each other and it's fun and, you know, y'all are engaged and paying attention to each other, but he goes home to his home, you go home to your home. And on the day y'all get married and say, I do, there's no going home. You know, Mm -hmm. you're, you are the home. (laughs) And with all the idiosyncrasies and all of the uh, quirks and funny habits that go along with it. And somehow we've got to, you know, um, help you understand that the two are becoming one Mm -hmm. and in finances, that can be a really, really big issue mm-hmm. where maybe parents have not taught their children financial responsibility. And let's just keep it. A young lady comes into a marriage thinking she's going to be able to have the same standard of living in her new marriage on her husband's income that's one-fourth of what her dad made. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so it is eye-opening, mm-hmm. and it kind of pops the bubble a little bit to help them understand what life's going to look like on the other side of I do. That's very important. It is. And you, obviously
1: I'm not going to ask for specific examples, but going through premarital counseling where you're getting pretty in-depth with somebody, and it may even be conversations that they've never had with each other. Um, by the way, one of the devotionals that you hand out is one uh, that forces, forces them, them to start to, to communicate. Yes, to like communicate. That. Have you ever had anybody in the process of, of that premarital counseling to say, you know what, we're not right for each other. This ain't going to work.
0: It's been very, very rare, but I have mm-hmm. had one or two that that uh, that opened up the door for them to be at, begin to ask some questions and just they put the wedding off, you wow. know, and I have had one or two of those, but it's extremely rare. Sure. And I'll tell you why. Healthy local church. Yeah. I was
1: going to ask you to go through that process because Mm -hmm. by the time they get there, there's been some foundational things laid down. How does that work out then with the local church for for here? So I've got a a young couple that says, we want to get married. Brother Jono, will you marry us? Yeah.
0: Well— when it's a young couple in our church and they're both members here, it's fairly easy because we have a long-standing track record, you know, with them and and know a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when one of the members of the marriage is not a member here, hopefully we know them some because they've been coming around some, but we're always careful. Yep. We're always careful, and the first thing I say to them is. You don't need to put your wedding date on the calendar and send out invitations to everybody and then say, oh, by the way, let's go talk to Brother John O. about doing our wedding. You better check with me first because I may say no. <laughs> and there go your invitations, or you're going to have to find somebody else to do it. And by the way, find another place to get married. Mm-hmm. Step number one is you ought to come see your pastor. Amen. Step number one is you need to come see the elders and the leaders in your life that have taught you the word of God Mm -hmm. and seek their blessing and seek their approval Mm -hmm. and make sure that everything does indeed check out biblically. Mm -hmm. So the first step is, you know, when we've tried to communicate this to the church, you need to come see the pastor's secretary and set up a time to meet with the pastor or one of the pastors because you and Joe, you and Ryan helped me with that. Yeah. And and here's what I say to them we'll talk about a date for your wedding after we finish the first session called the basics mm-hmm. because once we finish that session we'll kind of know where we're headed yeah. and once we finish the first session then we'll set a date talk about the venue mm-hmm. talk about the wedding policy and all that kind of stuff so that's the very initial mm-hmm. step is that the pastors need to agree yeah that we as best we can discern this is a, a biblical marriage. It's the same thing with conversion counseling, brother. Yeah. Before we put a person in the baptistry, what do we do? We yeah. sit down and do conversion counseling with them. Mm-hmm. We make sure that, in fact, they, as best we can tell, there's a new birth that's taking place here. Yeah. And we feel comfortable baptizing them and bringing them into the membership of the church. All those principles apply to doing a wedding. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure they're saved. Have they been scripturally baptized? Mm-hmm. You know, do their parents agree to this? Yeah. We need to talk to the parents and make sure their parents are in agreement that there's no rebellion here. Mm-hmm. And if all of that checks out, yes, then we give our blessing and we begin the pre-marriage counseling with a view toward a certain date. Yeah. One thing I forgot that's pretty neat about the state of Tennessee is the state of Tennessee um, I guess requires would mm-hmm. be the correct word, um, a minimum, I think, of four hours or six of marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And they will issue you a marriage license without it, but they charge you a higher fee. Mm-hmm. So our state is trying to encourage people to seek out some counsel, which I think that's a great thing. That's wise. And so, there's a form that the state of Tennessee gives me that I keep in my office. It's a legal form. It's has to be notarized and one of our secretaries is a notary public. But I fill out that form and when they complete when they successfully complete the marriage counseling that I do, which is typically 8 plus hours, then I fill out that form, sign it. Mm-hmm. Darla notarizes it. That form is the actual form they take to the courthouse. To get their marriage license, mm-hmm. so this is a, you know, this is important, very, yeah. very, very important step. Mm-hmm. So let's get a
1: little bit closer then to the date. We've got the the wedding date. The and by the way, through that process too, we'll actually sit down with them and read verbatim the wedding policy yes. to them and ask them questions, and we start talking about venues and things like that. But as we're getting closer to the wedding date uh, uh, itself, now. You you've already told us what where you how you develop the sermon and how you prepare that. What do you do when it comes to the way of uh, say an order of worship? And this is where we start to include talks about uh, wedding venues. We start talking about uh, music, which yeah. is typically can be a pretty hot, touchy. T- yeah, can be real heavy. Uh, other pastors officiating mm-hmm. and and things like that. Uh, let, let's kind of dive into that a little bit.
0: My order of worship is preset by the basics. In other words, the sermon. Mm-hmm. that's a non-negotiable. Nobody dickers with me over what the the sermon's <laughs> going to be because that's a holy thing between a man of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the basic wedding order is kind of the same. Mm-hmm. my My weddings haven't varied that much through the years. Obviously, I give leeway and grace. To the bride for some will say my we want to do a chord of three strands or we want to do the unity candle here or some people have done the you know the unity sands thing or we want to have a solo right here or we want to have a special song right here or you know at the end we want to have this song sung that's that's no problem at mm-hmm. all yeah. as long as it's christ honoring as long as it's not unbiblical you know, as long as it's not something that would bring reproach and shame on Christ and His name and our testimony, yeah, uh, there's a lot of room for for grace there. Sure. But in the ver- when you've done it as long as I have, these girls have seen every wedding I've ever done. Mm-hmm. They they know what it's going to be, mm-hmm. and they know what how they know where they have liberty mm-hmm. and they know where they don't yeah. again it goes back to a healthy church and longevity and time here a lot of these things are hammered out and ironed out because our course is kind of set
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh but so the basic order is set but they have leeway within that basic order to do some of the unique special things that you know that they that they might want to do
1: yeah how um, how firm or restrictive are you when it comes to say uh, wedding vows? Like some couples like to write their own. Uh, and then there are pastors who will say, no, it's, let's just stick to this. As a
0: general rule, I discourage them as a general rule. And I say this respectfully because they tend to be goofy. Um, but if they are going to do it, then I want to see them, you know, I want to see them and just make sure that, excuse me, that they're biblical mm-hmm. <clears throat> that they're not just you know off the chart unscriptural yeah and um, I want to sign off on them mm-hmm. but as a general rule I would say to them let's stick with the biblical vows that are laid down in the Word of God and mm-hmm. let that be because these are substantial they're real they're thoroughly scriptural <clears throat> and we need to hold to the vows that are in the word mm-hmm
1: I'd say the same thing would be, could be said about music as well. Uh, You're, the same way you would any type of a worship service, which it really is, uh, the, the same way that you would scrutinize and vet any music that's coming in there, you would do the same thing with the music that's coming in in a wedding ceremony.
0: I kind of feel shotgun approach on Monday. You know, brother, I felt like we're scattergunning this thing. and <laughs> But I would say this. Our wedding policy is very specific. And if anybody listening wants it, we'll be glad to give it to you. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants my little marriage counseling book, when you see it, you're going to think, well, man, this is so simple. But I'm a simpleton. We'd be happy to send it to you. But in our marriage policy, we're very explicit about songs because here's where you're going to be tested. Yeah. You know, uh, and we say that uh, the songs need to be worship songs. Mm -hmm. Or at the very least, I, I will acknowledge that there are some songs that are love songs that don't, they're not anti Christian. They don't. You know, send a message that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ that can possibly be used. But here's what I always say. We have to see it. We have to hear it. We have to look at the lyrics and we have to sign off on it. Mm -hmm. Just because you're the bride and you've, quote, always wanted this song in your wedding doesn't mean we're going to do it. It just doesn't, and and I'm not going to be bullied. I don't mean that ugly. That's right. I'm not. I don't want to make it a test of wills, but I'm not going to be bullied. Or no matter how many tears are shed, or how many mad mother-in-laws come down here and storm (laughs) the church, I'm not going to be intimidated because it's a high and a holy worship service. It is, and we're going to see that that integrity is held right where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And our our general policy is that the pastor signs off, literally signs off, on that order of service before it's approved. Mm-hmm. Just like we do every worship service. Yeah, And um, so this is one of the highest and holiest worship services that we have all year long. We wanna make sure that it's Christ honoring. For, uh, <clears> for <throat> listeners out there um, who uh, may
1: be in a church where you're pastor, you've got plurality of pastors, pastor, associate pastors and so on, whatever you may, you, you may call them. Um what what kind of a word would you give to certain to senior pastors who kind of what what we're experiencing <clears> right now there's a there's uh you you've been the sole senior pastor here for a long time and you've done all the weddings you've right. done all the funerals right and, and now we're at a point where we're trying to sort of alleviate some of that burden from you because yes. as Parker preached last night we want you to pray and preach pray yes. and preach pray yeah. and preach um obviously that's difficult because part of it is that shepherding mentality you love them you you you're watching them grow they i think in, within this whole process you get to know them on a deeper level and sure. it's a good thing it's, it's rewarding it, it is it mm-hmm. is what would you say then to that pastor then who uh, is have, has a hard time to let go of that and to delegate it on to a, an associate pastor. And is that okay? Is that yeah. okay to do that kind of a thing?
0: I think it is. I think it's completely okay, and I think it's a part of the Second Timothy 2 uh, mm. uh, faithful men teaching faithful men to teach faithful men. Mm. And uh, you and Brother Ryan are faithful men, and I trust you completely, Brother. I, I don't look over my shoulder, and I know y'all are going to do a funeral. I know y'all are going to do going to do a wedding um exactly the way the word of god prescribes so what i would say is that it's important for all pastors to as paul says mind the same things Mm -hmm. and walk by the same rule you don't have to do everything you know tit for tat exactly like Mm -hmm. i do it but the the truth and the um biblical emphasis should be identical absolutely and that that's your heart that you should want that and if there's a guy rogue i mean you got a deeper problem than the next wedding Mm -hmm. you know a guy that's wanting to do his own thing chart his own course that's just not the guy that's going to be on my staff i'm sorry i you know we're going to be agreed that christ is lord it's for his glory the bible is our running book our marching orders come from it there's a certain way we do things that are decent and in order, mm. that honor and glorify Christ. And it's not about each individual guy building his own kingdom, you know. Yeah. So uh, a guy that's struggling there has got deeper problems than a wedding. Yeah. But, you know, I would just say we all love Christ. We all love each other. We all love truth. We're all Sola Scriptura guys. Mm. And so these things are fairly tightly aligned. And, you know, there's just not a lot of uh, variance among us because mm-hmm. we're all— kind of pulling in the same direction and want the same thing. And yeah. I think it's very important in these things that there's cohesiveness, that one brother's saying the same thing as the other brother. And it's not like children that can say, well, Dad said I can't do it, so let me go ask Mom. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't end around Dad to get to Mom because Mom will be more lenient. If mm-hmm. that's the way your eldership is constructed, you've got problems. Yeah. Speaking to John O should be like speaking to Joe, should be like speaking to Ryan. <laughs> we should be seamless. And basically, um, if uh, I said this wedding's a no-go, it's a no-go for Joe and Ryan. Right. You know, and if you come to me and say, Pastor, I don't feel that this person's ready for baptism, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I mean, I trust you, brother, Mm -hmm. and I know you've thoroughly examined this person. And so we have to all be pulling in the same direction and desiring the same thing. And that being the case, music is a place where you'll be You'll be very, very, very thoroughly tested sometimes by people. Yeah. But you just have to hold the line and help people to understand that this is a worship service. You know. Yeah. These girls, man, they fantasize and romance about the weddings from oh boy. age three when they saw their first Disney movie <laughs> up until the day. And it, you know, th- there are some instrumental things that can be played. I'm yeah. not just a Till of the Hun here. You know, when people are walking in and parents are being seated and and so forth, if it's a song that doesn't violate christ i might give on a few of those sure but i'm not going to barter with a song that communicates a worldly uh, idea of love yes or a worldly secular idea of what true love is that flies in the face of the word of god Mm -hmm. it it should be a song that represents and glorifies christ and i know
1: we're we are kind of taking a bit of a scattergun approach to it here it's uh One last thing that I kind of had in my notes to talk about just briefly here would be the idea of wedding venues. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know there's a lot to say about this, the pros and cons of church or uh, some, you know, I know today wedding venues is a big business, at least down here in in the South. But like you said, sometimes those ladies will, from a very early age, they've got their sights set on a mountaintop Mm -hmm. uh, wedding or uh, a beach wedding or 95 degrees outside in the hot summer heat, you know, what are some words of counsel that you may give to that young bride and that groom as they're preparing and looking at their future wedding venues?
0: Well, I'm not absolute. Um, I'm not absolute. You know, um, uh, I think it's careful to say there are some preferences. Sure. You know, there are. There there just are some that are not biblical mandates, biblical absolutes. Uh, I've got five children. Four of them are girls. Mm -hmm. Um, Three of my girls were married at a venue, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think I got that right. Two of them. Two Two of them were married at a venue, and two of them were married here at the church, and so I think that model's in front of you. I can be giving and want to be. Uh, Now, I'll just tell you a message that I preached to the church. I said I would like to strongly encourage, and I acknowledge that two of my girls got married at a venue, I said I would like to strongly encourage the young ladies in our church to consider moving their weddings back to the church. Yeah. And I gave several reasons why. And that is Ephesians chapter 5, it's a picture of Christ and His church. Yeah. And we've got elderly people in the church that yeah. have taught you Sunday school, they've been your small group leader, and then you have the the wedding out at the farm and there's only 75 people or 100 or whatever that can come. so you. You can't invite more than that, so they kind of control that. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, they're not going to be able to walk across the rocks or walk out across the grass. Uh, And then you're dealing with the temperatures, Mm -hmm. like you're talking about. You're you're dealing with inclement weather. Um, And here we have a beautiful building with a full industrial kitchen, plenty of rooms, plenty of parking spaces. And it's the church. It's Mm -hmm. the church you were raised in. It's the church where the Word was taught. It's the church where... Preaching was done, and again, I don't sit there and think when a girl says, I'm getting married at you know such and such venue, I don't think, oh, she's not spiritual. She doesn't love Jesus. I don't mm-hmm. judge her. Mm-hmm. I don't think bad about her. It's nothing like that. It's just that is a preference thing. I, I acknowledge that. But I, I sure prefer, mm-hmm. if possible, for us to have them here at the church. I tell you, brother, I have gone home after one of those venue weddings and scratched chiggers on my legs for a week and a half, two weeks after, or mosquito whelp bites where I've yeah. gotten eaten alive. I, I remember one wedding, literally. I, I promise you, not 100% humidity, 98 degrees. I sweat through my underwear, I sweat through my pants, I sweat through my coat. Water was running down the back of my jacket. It, it, you know, it was hot, it was miserable, it was awful. And you know, I'm sitting there thinking, we've got this church building and it's sitting over there and it's 68 degrees in there. Air yeah, conditioning. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's not an absolute. Sure. I don't don't mandate anything. Yeah. But I am a leader. And if I can influence people in a certain way that I believe, you know, they're going to look back on it and say, wow, you know, that was right. I wish we'd have done that. There's wisdom in that. There is you know? wisdom in that.
1: Grandma may have a hard time getting out on yep. the beach that day. Yep. You know? Yep. W- uh, one last thing, and this one just kind of popped to mind too as you were discussing that. Paying the pastor, um, we may call it an honorarium or something to that effect. Right. But this is a discussion that you and I have had uh, a few times before, too. What would you say would be the appropriate way to bless the man of God who officiates your wedding? As much as you
0: possibly can. Yeah. Now I don't need it. Right. You know, brother, I'm, I've been at this long enough to wear I'm okay, if, you know, I don't ever ask for anything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing stated in our policy. That's right. But it's just always been a little bit offensive to me mm-hmm. that these girls will spend several thousand dollars on a wedding dress mm-hmm. and for the pine combs on the table and the lace and the cake, and they'll hire a DJ, and and they're going to pay him all these hundreds of dollars and and uh, the meal and and uh, Photographer and the guy who has taught them the word of God for 23, 24 years, done eight sessions sessions of marriage counseling, given up his Friday for uh, rehearsal, rehearsal dinner, and and by the way, all day Saturday mm-hmm. for the wedding because there's no other way around it. Right, it's an all day deal, and won't give the preacher a penny mm-hmm. or or you know a thank you card. It's just unthinkable to me. And mm-hmm. so I just would say to anybody listening, the most important, and by the way, that pastor completely carries that entire day on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He carries that entire thing on his shoulders mm-hmm. from beginning to the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's overseeing that thing, and and uh, that's why we call it officiating that's right, from beginning to end. And so I just think it's always appropriate to be generous to the man of God and uh, reward him handsomely and thankfully for not just that week, but for years of dedicated service of pouring his life into you. That's right. Um, and I wrote one thing down here, brother, and I, I I always feel a little bit guilty when they do these things because, we're again, it is scattered gun. We miss things
1: sometimes. We, we do.
0: We do. I hope we're just given enough to wet people's appetite for them to think and pray and ponder on these things. But I want to just say one other thing. I think it's absolutely ridiculous and absurd the pressure and the weight that girls put themselves under Amen. financially to think that it has to look like this we have to offer a four course meal it has to yeah. have dessert and 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 you're looking at a, a, a couple coming in here brother and now now we're up to an expensive wedding venue mm-hmm. an expensive wedding dress and now we're going to and I'm not exaggerating we're going to spend 15 dollars a plate hmm to feed 200 people. I just want to say an appeal to any girl, don't let anybody hold that kind of stuff over you. Mm -hmm. To feel like you've got to put your, don't go into debt over a wedding. Oh my goodness, don't do that. Keep it simple, keep it about Christ, do it in your local church. And 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 look back on it with great memories. Not and don't take something that's supposed to be a blessing and turn it into a curse. Yeah. Don't plan your wedding around finicky consumers that you think you've got to please that are going to come and criticize you if you don't have a certain level of food. <laughs> look, have the wedding, have some punch and some peanuts. <laughs> I know I know girls are gasping at their breath when I say this, but the point I'm trying to make is. You, you don't have to have an elaborate high dollar meal, an elaborate high dollar whatever. You're going to be just as married yeah. when you say I do. Then you have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and put yourself in debt. That's right. I, I hope somebody listens to Amen, that. Amen, brother.
1: I've said before, the emphasis ought not be on the wedding uh, so much as it ought to be on the marriage. And Christ. Uh, yes. Absolutely. Amen. Well, thank you so much for that, brother, and uh, just appreciate being able to get your wisdom and counsel on that. That's the kind of thing I've been hearing from you for years, and I pray that that'll be a help and a blessing to uh, other pastors, but also folks that are thinking about getting married. Maybe mm-hmm. you've got a child that's uh, looking at getting married or something to that effect, and I hope that that'll be a blessing to you.
0: Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? You know, um I just, again, when you bring it back to a healthy church, which is everything, mm-hmm. um, I don't give this book because of its high theological value per se, and there mm-hmm. may be there may be better. I'm trying to accomplish one thing. I'm trying to get couples to talk. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get them to communicate. I'm trying to get them to pray together. Mm-hmm. And James and Shirley Dobson's little book, Nightlight, Light, I've mm-hmm. been using that for years. The way I feel about it is I'm preaching three expositions a week. You're preaching one. Mm-hmm and then we've got a solid college group, we've got a solid youth group that are are doing exposition of scripture. I'm trying to give them a tool that will help develop them to actually talk Mm -hmm. and actually discuss things and then pray together. And that book is a year's 365 days worth of devotions that are written with the sole intent of getting couples to to discuss spiritual things and to pray together. Mm. That little tool has been a great tool through the years for couples. And I would just say for anybody listening, even couples that have been mar- married for several years, Amen. that would be a great exercise for you and your mate to go through to just reignite, you know, the 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 passion to pray together. Some guys have deep theological flow charts in their minds, but they never get around to actually just talking to their wives and just listening holding her to hand her. and yeah. listening to her and praying with her, for mm-hmm. heaven's sakes. Most couples do not communicate. Yeah. And so I try to get these couples right up front in a habit, mm-hmm. in a pattern of just talking mm-hmm. and praying together. The, the the focus is not the quantity of time. The focus is the doing it. Yeah. And so that's one of the habits we try to establish right up front in that first session. Amen. I give them that book right up front.
1: You also give them a copy of the Nine Marks of a Healthy Church too. Just get, a reminder to them: this is of what a
0: healthy church looks
1: like. Yeah, that's Very right. Good. Well, if you uh, if you're listening to this podcast, and you would like to receive a copy of our wedding policy, or uh, maybe our marriage counseling booklets that Brother John has written up. Uh, please feel free to email me. My email address again is brojo at smbconline.com. We'd be happy to get that to you. uh, We'll foot the bill, no cost to you at all. Uh, Just let us know. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to us. We love you very much, and I hope this has been a blessing to you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Jono's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com and follow him on Twitter at Jono Sims.